Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. All right, Ian, so we haven't had a chance to talk about this. It's uh, news that broke but then was sort of finalized uh, just the other day. The Denver Broncos have signed a new punter. Uh, they signed uh, Sam Martin from the Lions, right? Played for the Lions. Yes, that's which, correct. Uh, which seems to be the place to go to get players for the Broncos right now with, uh, with Graham Glasgow as well coming in from the Lions. But uh, what do we think about that signing? What is our what, what is our initial impression? What's your initial impression of that particular signing? Uh, initially, when the news broke last week, I, I tweeted that uh, the Broncos signed a punter and Broncos country is ecstatic, which is something I never thought I would tweet. Yeah, because we're talking about punters. Yeah, and we're excited about punters because Colby Wadman was horrible. So as I've as I said on Broncos Country tonight, and I'll say it here, it can't get any worse. It's not like well, there's really a backwards. Uh, hold up. I, I bet Tom McMahon just said, "Hold my beer." I was going to say. I, now, are you sure it can't get any worse? Uh, and, and this is the thing that I don't understand. It, it's pretty obvious to me, to you, to whoever else watches the Denver Broncos that. 
the punting situation has been bad for a while. And the, the common denominator in all of this is Tom McMahon, if I'm not mistaken. He's the he's the problem. So whatever is going on in Denver, and and let, let me just say, it's not it hasn't just been Tom McMahon. Obviously, uh, Brock Olivo wasn't very good as a special teams coach, and he didn't really do anything for the punters as well. But he did bring us the 22 Janos he, quote, though. I mean, he he brought us 22 Janos, and and Jano is now gone. So I'm almost sort of like, all right, we'll move on from that. But the this idea that I go back to when they brought in Marquette King and the excitement that we had over that particular signing. Again, excitement over Hunter, Hunter which is a, a, a little bit frustrating. However, with Marquette King, there was a certain hype around him. He was the type of punter that kind of got hyped and was was fun to watch and, and interesting. And he didn't pan out for whatever reason. And I think that there was a, a sense that it was his attitude and the things that he was doing. But as we have moved on from Marquette King and we've continued to move on from him and now we've gone through Colby Wadman and we're on to Sam Martin. And I did just have to look at the page to remember his name because it's a punter. It seems to me that the common denominator isn't bad punting it's bad coaching and and that's where my concern is you know that a good punter can be a a good weapon on a football team if you can you know switch the field of play if you can uh pin pin teams deep those kinds of things are very important and and it's a lost art and not not to cut in but pinning teams inside the inside the 20 let alone the 10 anymore with those perfectly placed punts that land out of bounds at the two or the three, let alone the angles, right? The, the you get the angles. backspin that bounces at the one and bounces back towards your gunners trying to down it. It's a lost art. You don't see it anymore. So, yeah, to, just to, to chime in with that. No, I, and, and it, you're absolutely right. And, and that's where my frustration comes in with this is that this is an area where you – and I'll go back to Market King here a little bit. They brought him in because of – his success with the Raiders. And he was very successful as a punter with the Raiders. When he got to Denver, he wasn't successful. He got injured. There were some problems with that. He blamed his injury on the fact that the coaching staff wanted him to change his form. Why you would ask a guy to change his form when what he was doing before was working, I don't understand. Uh, if, if it wasn't working, then maybe you make a change. The concern is, are they going to screw this guy up too? What are the odds that Sam Martin didn't have to look it up this time that Sam Martin is going to be successful with Tom McMahon as his special teams coach. I just wonder if that's really, if, if it really matters who the punter is, if the special teams coach is apparently that bad. And I haven't complained a lot about the Broncos coaching staff. This is one I'm complaining about. Well, it'll be his third opportunity. So it's either going to be third times a charm for breaking a punter or third times a charm where he's actually going to have a punter that breaks the chain, so to speak. And it's not just been the punting that's been horrible. It's been the special teams have not been good the last four years, ever since the Super Bowl year. The special teams have not been good in Denver, and I think that's a huge aspect of it because if you ever listen to Bill Belichick or Mike Shanahan, both of them had the same cliche where we have to be better in all three phases. We have to be good on offense, defense, and special teams. The Broncos haven't been good in the third aspect of that, as I said, for four years. And I think we'll see what happens. I think all of Broncos country is excited about the punter, but as you've been saying, 
they're wondering how is Tom McMahon still on this coaching staff? Yeah, the concern is how's he going to screw this up? So, so there's that, and I guess we'll find out. We'll find out eventually, and when we do find out, we'll we'll let you know how we feel about it. Uh, but we do have some other stuff to talk about the uh, the Denver Broncos. Um, general manager John Elway and their head coach Vic Fangio were on a conference call right obviously social distancing they weren't at the facility they weren't uh hanging out as it were for a press conference but we do have some good quotes and we did get some some good conversation uh, about the team and the direction that the team is going and it led us to a, a pretty interesting conversation and I, I think we should just jump jump right into it and it has to do with the dynamic that's going to take place between Philip Lindsay the current Denver Broncos starter and Melvin Gordon, the guy who they just signed for $13 million a year uh, to come in and be what you what you classify as the bell cow back. And uh, it was interesting, the quotes, because the, the quotes were essentially asked, you know, the questions were about uh, how is this going to work with Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon together on the field? Uh, will it be an issue between the two of them? And you know the the thing that I, I think is interesting is that John and John and and Vic uh, were were pretty much on the same page, and both of them had very similar answers to the question um, about how the discussions went when adding Melvin Gordon into the running back mix. And you know, Vic Fangio said, actually, John and I really talked about it a while back. We both shared the same view on it, which we were both happy to know that the other guy was thinking the same. I've talked to Philip. Talked to him yesterday, as a matter of fact. We really didn't talk about that part of it. Philip is a competitor. He's just not going to give away his job or his carries. It's pretty commonplace in the NFL right now to have two backs share the running back duties. There's a lot of work there to be had between both of them. We'll see how it unfolds. I think that's a really interesting uh, way of looking at things. John Elway, in his quote, sort of goes on more of the general manager side, right? You get a little bit more uh, uh, idea of where the contract talks are. And, you know, his quote is, as Vic said, I think the discussions that we had with it, we thought it was important to have two really good backs. With the opportunity of landing Melvin, we thought it was a good combination with Phillip. Obviously, there's always concerns and there's always issues when you bring somebody, especially with the two years Phillip's had. We'll continue to work with that. I've talked with Phillip's agent. We'll see what happens with what we can do later on. That's not a guarantee either way, but we'll see what we can do later on. That's that's more on the GM side of things. That's John Elway looking at things from a money standpoint, whereas Vic Fangio is clearly looking at it from a on-the-field type of situation. I think that is the, the quintessential in terms of Vic Fangio. The Bill Belichickian looking like he's saying something but not really saying something at all. I mean, of course he's going to say there's a lot of work to be had. There, we, we want two backs. Of course he's going to say that. I think the main reason they brought Melvin Gordon in, aside from being the bell cow back, which is what he is going to be, you don't pay a guy $13 million to not be your bell cow. He's going to be the guy who gets the majority of the action. Whatever the split is can be debated, but he is going to get the majority of the carries and the touches and, and the catches, all of that stuff. What, it, what the sole purpose of him coming in is he's going to be motivated because he's going to want to prove to the Chargers and to the rest of the league that he is one of the best backs in football, and that's Melvin Gordon. At the same point, as everyone in Broncos country knows, John Elway loves to create competition. He loves it. Regardless of how good you are, he loves to have guys come in and push you 
And that's what Melvin Gordon is going to do for Philip Lindsay. And that's one of the things that Fangio touched on is that they're going to be able to motivate each other, drive each other to be better because who's ever better aside from the paycheck is going to get the majority of the carries is going to get the action. So if Philip Lindsay comes out and absolutely balls out, he has the potential to prove that he should get the majority of the action in Pat Shermer's offense. And that's the whole point. It's to to drive each other, to motivate each other. And as I said after our little debate before we started recording, the whole point is that it's going to better the Broncos. The Broncos are going to be better for it because regardless of where we sit on on the, the split of the action, Melvin Gordon is an upgrade over Royce Freeman. And it's going to make the offense better. Whether you think it's worth thirteen and a half million guaranteed, sixteen million total over two years, obviously people have made their feelings known on that. But if it makes the offense better, like Elway and Fangio and I'm guessing Pat Shermer think it will, of course it'll be worth it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think that's where we agree. We agree that the idea is to make the team better, to make the offense better. And, and let's face it, the offense has been pretty abysmal the last oh, five or six years. It feels like forever in a day. Uh, since the Super Bowl since, year where they, got, the they lost to the Seahawks. Yeah, that was the last time they really had a, a great offense. And it's been pretty much downhill ever since then. And so if the idea is to score points – and you think that this is going to help you score points, I think this is then that's the move you have to make. Uh, I, I, I do think it's an interesting thought uh, or an interesting exercise to kind of look at what you think is going to happen. And you brought up a really interesting point in our debate. And just, you know, a little inside baseball for everybody. We, we definitely had a, have a disagreement here on what we think is going to happen. But, but I'm going to go ahead and, and sort of put out there what you said. And one of the things that you mentioned was in all of Pat Shermer's stops, the, the main running back has always there's always been just one main guy and you brought up Dalvin Cook and you brought up Saquon Barkley and you mentioned that those were the guys that got all of the carries and bringing in a Melvin Gordon is like bringing in a guy who Pat Shermer is going to lean on and going to make his number one running back and I'm not going to disagree with you on that particular point I do think however that the split is going to be a lot less drastic than what you brought up in our conversation before. I don't think it's going to be Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon, and Philip Lindsay comes in for a, you know a carry here and there. I do think that Philip Lindsay is going to factor into this offense because I think that that's the type of player he is. He's going to force his way onto the field because he's talented enough to be there. And so I think what you'll see is like a 70-30, a 65-35 split with Melvin Gordon being the guy who gets most of the work but Philip Lindsay being a guy who comes in and has an impact on the offense. Now, he obviously has some things that that go against him. A is Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon is the guy who's who's going to be the BRB1, if you will. B, he's got injury issues, and that's something that uh, you know, are are always going to follow him whenever we talk about Philip Lindsay. You you have to talk about the fact that he doesn't stay healthy or he hasn't stayed healthy, and wrist injuries can be tough to get past. So that's going to be something that he has to prove that he can stay healthy to stay on the field. And then C, he can't catch the ball. <laughs> that's the the thing that drives me the most nuts about him is that he's not he's not a threat out of the backfield to catch the ball like he should be. And if he was, it would it would make him that much better 
as a running back. It would make him that much more effective and that much, much more of a weapon for the Denver Broncos to use. And then you could see a scenario where you've got two back sets, where you've got uh, Melvin Gordon in the backfield and Philip Lindsay splitting out to the slot, or uh, you know, you've got him in a two back set and then you could go either way and it gives Drew Locke more options. And I, I think the biggest thing that you can do here is give your rookie quarterback as many options as possible to throw the ball to, to hand the ball to, to pitch the ball to, so that he's got all of that support and all of those weapons to lean on. And he doesn't have to just make everything happen on his own. That's how you develop a, a quarterback. And so I can see this being a positive for Philip Lindsay and letting him stay healthy, letting him be sort of that, that extra weapon, which I think is what his role really should have been to begin with. Just Royce Freeman could never take over the starting role and it's going to benefit drew lock and give him just, just that many more weapons. And that's, that's really the key here. I'm glad you mentioned the history because that's the basis of the foundation of why I think Melvin Gordon is going to be the bell cow back because he he's proven that he can do it. Whether or not you think it's enough, it doesn't matter. That's what Elway and Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer have. They've seen enough out of Melvin Gordon in the what five years that he was in, that he was in LA with the chargers to know that he is going to be the lead back. They've seen enough from him. So as it stands now, I really do think it's going to be 90, 10, because Philip Lindsay has to prove it. He's going to have to prove to Pat Shermer that he deserves to be on the field. Now, over the course of his entire football life, Philip Lindsay has been proving people wrong, where he has been doubted and counted out. So I have no doubt that this is going to motivate him and drive him as it always has, whether it was at South High in Denver or CU or even not going to the Combine and going undrafted. It's going to absolutely motivate him. But he's going to have to prove to his new offensive coordinator that he should be on the field taking carries away from Melvin Gordon, taking touches away from Melvin Gordon. And as I said at the top of this little back and forth, the whole point is to bring the best out of both of them. And I think that's what this is going to do. But I really do think, as it stands now, on March 31st, on a Tuesday night as we record this podcast, I do think the split is going to be 90. It's 90-10 right now. And until Philip Lindsay gets on the field and proves it, that he can catch the ball, that he can be a third down back, that he can be an every down back, that he's not going to, to suffer from the dropsies, that he's not going to be hampered by a wrist injury, I really do think that's where the split is right now. Yeah, I I, I just don't know that I, I see that. I think that you know I go back to this idea of weapons and this idea of having the ability to to get the best out of everybody. And you talk about competition. To me, you're, I think you're you're looking more like a seventy thirty. I, I think the other thing that that does for you is it keeps Melvin Gordon healthy as well. It it takes some of the wear and tear off of him and puts some of that back onto Philip Lindsay where. As if you just are at a 90-10 or a 95-5 split, something like that, where Philip Lindsay is almost seeing no time, then you're looking at, you know, Melvin Gordon might be the guy for a while, but I, I mean, he's he's going to get injured because he's going to wear down too. And and I will tell you, one of the things that is also a trademark of Pat Shermer's running backs, they get injured. Dalvin Cook injured. Saquon Barkley injured. I mean, these are guys who they they 
he uses them and uses them and uses them, and then they usually end up injured. So that would be a concern for me. If I was Vic Fangio, I was the head coach of the team, I would say to Pat Shermer, we've got two good backs here. Let's figure out a way to, to, to use them both so that we're not just getting one guy totally worn down and injured at the end of the season. We want to make sure everybody's able to continue to play because who knows how many games they're going to play in the future because the rules keep changing on us, and we'll get into that later. But obviously, that's one of the things that I would be concerned about is if I'm going to pay a guy $13 million, I want him to be the the number one, and that's clearly what he's signed for. But I also don't want him getting hurt because he's being overused. And and that's what Philip Lindsay can do. Philip Lindsay can give him that respite. Philip Lindsay can take touches away in a meaningful way that helps both guys. That doesn't that doesn't damage both guys' effect on the field. And I think I think that's the idea. And if it's not the idea, then, then I think Pat Shermer's doing something wrong, and he hasn't even started doing anything yet. Well, as I said, it's ninety ten on March thirty first, and that's to serve as a motivating factor to Philip Lindsay. Like, prove that you should be on the field. Show us something. And I will tell you that the response from a lot of people who listen to this podcast is he has. And so that's that's one of those things where he has shown over the course of his first two seasons in the NFL that he that he can, that he that he has the ability. If that's the case, they wouldn't assign Melvin Gordon to a thirteen guaranteed million dollar contract. I, I understand, but I, I'm telling you, if you put the tape on Philip Lindsay, who is somebody we've talked about in very high regard, has certainly put it on tape that he is capable of being successful in the NFL. If that's no longer with the Denver Broncos after this Melvin Gordon experiment, I think he he will find a place where he will fit in. So he will fit in and be successful. If it's not with Denver, it'll be somewhere else, and and that's fine. I you know that happens all the time. That's the business side of the NFL. And like I said, he he may have he, he he's obviously shown it to the fans. I don't think he's shown it to John Elway and Vic Fangio because if that's the case, they would not have signed Melvin Gordon. If Philip Lindsay had shown enough as we think he has, I'm not saying that he hasn't been good. Of course he's been good, but you don't sign a guy like Melvin Gordon and pay him that kind of money. If you think Philip Lindsay has, you know, I, it, it's interesting. You're, you're bringing up a, a point that I think is is maybe more about uh, what Philip Lindsay can do inside the five yard line. Melvin Gordon is the type of running back who is going to find the goal line. I think that's that's sort of a, a trademark of Melvin Gordon is that he scores touchdowns when he gets inside he the ten. Fumble. If he doesn't fumble, <laughs> if he gets inside the ten, he's dangerous. He's dangerous from pretty much anywhere inside the ten. Philip Lindsay, on the other hand, and I think this is just as much a size issue as anything else, he's not necessarily as dangerous. He's not going to be the he's more of the uh, you know between the twenties type of running back, where he's going to get you from from the twenty yard line to the twenty yard line. And once you get inside there, because his skill set is one where he doesn't catch the ball well, and that's really his problem. He becomes less of a weapon the closer he gets to the goal line, and that's not a knock on Philip Lindsay. It's just that's just that has to do with his size, his quickness, his ability to catch the ball, his you know all of those things that sort of run together. So, you know, the hope is, at least in, in my opinion, the hope is that they figure out a way to work them both in in a successful way that that makes the offense better. That's what we're that's what we're talking about here. That's what we're hoping for. How it's going to happen, who knows, right? Like you said, it's 
it's just barely we're almost to april we're sitting here at almost april so and not a lot of football is going on right now so we won't know until who knows when we'll know that's right we don't know when we'll know so who knows when we'll know you know and i think the whole point of this is Let's see if Pat Shermer is able to adapt because as you said, before we started recording, he's never really had a second back like Philip Lindsay and Minnesota or with the giants. So this is new territory for him. So I'm curious to see how he's going to be able to adapt. And if he does use both like he should, and hopefully Vic Fangio can step in and say, yeah, we need to use both of these guys because I, I think individually, I don't know if, they're enough to really move the needle one way or another, but together, I think you have the the ability to have a, a very dangerous running back tandem that has a different skill set. They don't really have the same the same type of running style, playing style. They don't do similar things, as you said. Melvin Gordon is is great inside the ten at finding the goal line when he doesn't fumble. He's great. In, in loaded boxes, when there's eight guys in the box to stop the run, he is phenomenal at running the football in those situations. He's excellent in, in short yardage situations. Philip Lindsay is just a playmaker. He's a guy who can bust any play loose. That's just the way he is. That's the way that he was in Boulder at CU. So I think together they have the ability to really move this offense and do what Vic Fangio and John Elway want, and that's score points. Individually, I don't know how good they can be. I think together is where they're going to have the the biggest impact for this offense and do what the Broncos need, and that's move the ball and score points. Yeah, agreed. That right there is what we agree on when when we had this conversation. Is we agree that that we agree on that. That's what we agree on. Uh, Was there anything else from their conference call that that caught your eye that you wanted to talk about? I think it's just that Vic Fangio showed his little sense of his sly sense of humor, his wit in saying that the reason that Graham Glasgow is successful is that his dad is from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Cause that's Not, where he, Vic Fangio is from. Was he a paper salesman? Just out of curiosity. Did he, did he work for a company that sold paper? Maybe he did. Or, I, or did he, did uh, Graham Glasgow, do a lot of his training on Shroot Farms. Perhaps that's, I mean, I bet there's a lot of open space at Shroot Farms for him to go out and, and do his training. So I can see how that would work. No, that was, that was sort of a funny one uh, as well. So I, I liked that conversation. It's Vic Fangio is an interesting guy because he always throws in those little sort of jokes that uh, you can tell he's very serious. He's, he's very much uh, focused on his job, but every once in a while he'll throw in a little, a little sort of quip that's not super hilarious, but just kind of, a little funny and it's kind of interesting to hear him talk about those things. And then you just kind of move on. I love the fact that because they were on a conference call, John Elway was, as you said, he was out on a walk when they were, when they were, when they were having the conference call and Vic Fangio was sitting at his home. Like that's, that's the world we live in right now. They're just social distancing and always out getting a little fresh air, probably stretching his knees, you know, hobbling a little. I think the thing that I liked about the Graham Glasgow quote is that Fangio touched on what we have said about Glasgow, and that's his ability to be versatile, where he can play guard or he can play center. And I think, as we touched on before we started recording, where Graham Glasgow ends up playing, whether it's guard or center, 
is going to depend on what the Broncos do in the draft. And ideally, in the second round, they're able to get a guy like Lloyd Cushenberry or Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. I think those are the two guys most of Broncos country would love to have as center in between Dalton Reisner and Graham Glasgow. Yeah, I, I, although I will say that pretty much everything I've seen is that if Denver wants one of those guys, they might have to trade back up into the first round to get them, or they trade back from 15 and, and try and uh, accumulate picks, which is, is also an option as well. But we'll see, right? There's lots of time, and who knows what's going to happen from this point going forward. I will say that after we had Benjamin Albright on, I am I am so I I am in the Albright orange blur camp where I think the Broncos are going to do whatever it takes to get Henry Ruggs. And I think his the as he said on that podcast when we previewed uh the first week of free agency, the the sweet spot is going to be eleven with the Jets. I think that's if Henry Ruggs is there, they're gonna trade up to get him. I think if if Henry Ruggs is at nine or ten they're going to trade up to get him. I really do think that's the guy that the Broncos are going to be targeting in the first round of the draft. And if they have to trade up to get him, I think they're going to do it. Yeah, go get your guy. I mean, we've talked about that in the past. Go get your guy. And if you got to make a move to do it, then you then that's what you do. Uh, I, I don't know that I'm in that camp or not in that camp, but I, again, I go back to the idea of when you've got a young quarterback like Drew Locke, giving him as many weapons as possible, as many options as possible on the field, so that he can be successful, that to me is is more important than anything else. And a guy like Henry Ruggs, a, a player like him, right, a, a speed receiver who can take the top off of a, of a defense but also doesn't shy away from contact. I think that was one of the things that when we talked to Trevor Sikama of the Draft Network, you know, when he came on, he, he talked about Henry Ruggs being the type of receiver that fights for balls, looks for contact, and is fast enough to, to take the top off of a defense. I like that type of a receiver, so I think it's a good fit. He may not be the guy. They may decide they don't want to trade up or they don't want to have to give up too much to get him, and hopefully there's a, a similar player later in the draft that they could go after. But Henry Ruggs, I think, is the prototype of what they are looking for from a wide receiver in this draft, and, and I hope that they are able to accomplish that. If not, I'm sure there are other ways that they can go. And I, they do need a guy like a Cesar Ruiz or, or Cushenberry as well. Both of those guys would be good on the offensive line. And the other name that I I, I think is a dream scenario that I don't think he's going to be available is Isaiah Simmons. But there's talk that Dave Gettleman um, really wants Isaiah Simmons, so he's going to he'll probably take him at four, which which makes sense. I mean Isaiah Simmons is a freak, but if he somehow falls. I would absolutely consider trading up to get him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know how I feel about Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is, is in that Roquan Smith territory for me. He's, he's maybe even surpassed Roquan Smith as, as, my, as, as my, my draft crush, right? I, I try not to have draft crushes, but every once in a while I, I fall in love with a guy, and I think that Isaiah Simmons is going to be a heck of a football player in the NFL. Like you said, he's a freak, a freak in a good way, and I, I, if the Broncos could get him, that would – That'd make my day, and I imagine I'd dance like Von Miller did when they got Bradley Chubb. So, you know, that would that would be fun. I bet Von Miller would dance like Von Miller did when they got Bradley Chubb. So, well, it's not often that a Chubb falls and you're able to grab it. That's true. I set you up there. I appreciate that. All right, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Uh, that's pretty much uh, a good spot to stop there. And when we come back, we're going to talk about 
I guess the owners approving the new playoff stuff. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we're back. And uh, we're, we're going to go ahead and jump into... Uh, some NFL news and the big news is that the owners approved the changes to the playoffs so that there will be more playoff teams. And Ian, I will tell you uh, the one thing that I worry about as a a fan of the NFL. and, And I think that a lot of fans worry about this is it, it waters down the accomplishment of making the playoffs when you expand to uh, you know, when you add another team to the playoffs. And, and I referenced when we talked about this before we started, I referenced the NBA and how half the teams in the NBA make it to the playoffs. And so it's really not that big a deal. And while it does give you some fun stories, if you're a, you know, somebody from Denver, you probably know about the 94 Denver Nuggets and they were the first eight seed to beat a one seed in the, uh, in the NBA playoffs, which was neat and cool. It was, you know, Fantastic, whatever, but also the iconic image of Dikembe Mutombo oh, yeah. laying on the floor, holding the ball over his head with a huge smile on his face, screaming is something that has burned into my mind forever. And it, it's just, it's, it's an awesome image. It's fantastic. I, I love it. I was, I remember watching, going over to, uh, you know, going over to the head baseball coach at University High School baseball at the time, going over to his house with the team and watching the watching the games and and we we watched all of them and we watched the last game and it was great. It was really cool and it was a lot of fun and the playoffs are still watered down because you have this half of the half of the league making it to the playoffs. I worry about that with the NFL that you water down the uh you water down the playoffs. You water down the accomplishment of the playoffs by allowing so many teams into the playoffs. And and the one thing I will tell you that I like about European sports and the way that uh, like European soccer celebrates their champions. I, I do like that. They celebrate their regular season champion, the team that was the best over the course of an entire year, a little bit more than they would celebrate like a, a playoff championship team. And I, and I, I will go back to those, 16 and 0 New England Patriots and I know a lot of people are going to throw tomatoes at me which is fine but that was the best team that year in the NFL and the fact that they lost to the to the New York Giants in the Super Bowl doesn't change the fact that they were the best team in the NFL it was just that the Giants caught them uh, on a day when the Giants happened to be better uh, like you said before we started recording 9 out of 10 times the Giants lose that game and I I, I will say it again 8 out of 10 times they probably lose by 20 so you know, I, I get the excitement of, of having more teams. I, I just don't like it. I, it's, I mean, I wrote, when I wrote down my rundown, owners approved the stupid playoff changes. That's what, that's what I wrote down. 
And the thing that bothers me about it is just admit that it's a money grab. That's the only reason they're doing it. It's not to increase the competition. It's not to add another team to the playoffs. That's all BS. Just admit it's a money grab. Admit that you want the added ticket revenue from two games on Wild Card Weekend because it's now going to be three games on, on Saturday, three games on Sunday. Just admit that it's a money grab, that you want the ticket revenue, that you want the advertising revenue. Just admit it. Instead of this constant feeding us this, oh, we just want to make it more, we want to have a competitive balance in the National Football League. And I think of the one thing that you don't need to screw up is the NFL playoffs. Now, as a Broncos fan with a team that's struggled to get into the playoffs, okay, great. So it'll increase the likelihood that the Broncos make the playoffs. Fantastic. But just admit it's a money grab. Yeah, That's why you're doing it. It's, it's not cash. to allow eight and eight, nine and seven teams to get into the playoffs. Cause that's about 95% of the time. That's going to be what it is actually where it's an eight and eight, nine and seven team. I think you're also probably going to end up seeing a seven and nine team in there. And that's, that's where it gets, it gets really frustrating is when you start to get teams with losing records in the playoffs. 500, okay. 9 and 7, yeah, that's better than 500. But but still not great. You're going to see a 7 and 9 team in the playoffs if they go to this when they go to this format. I, I guarantee it. Maybe not the first year, but you will see it quicker than you'd like to. And you might see a couple of them just because of the expanded playoff scenario. And and I'm sorry, but you have to be successful in the regular season to get into the playoffs. And 7 and 9 is not successful. That's just, that's bottom line. Seven and nine is not successful. That's a losing record. You should not be allowed in the playoffs with a losing record. And so this is a a scenario where you're going to increase the opportunity of having a team with a losing record that gets into the playoffs. I don't like it. I think it's ridiculous. I I think it, it cheapens the experience, but you're right. This is a money grab. This is all about how much money can we put in our pockets as NFL owners and to be quite honest, it's a lot because if the Broncos are the the team that makes it because of the expanded playoffs, you guarantee I'm going to watch, I'm going to cheer, and I'm going to hope that they win. And if they do, I'm going to keep coming back. So, you know, I understand the money side of it. It makes perfect sense. It's just frustrating because of what it does to the, I guess, the pride you should have in making the playoffs because you should be a good team if you get into the playoffs. And that that goes for teams who win their division. You can be a horrible team, be eight and eight, seven and nine, win your division, and you could host a team who is 10 and six, maybe 11 and five. That should never happen. I don't care if you win your division. They need to get rid of this emphasis on division titles and base it on record. If you're a great team, you should host a playoff game. Yeah, agree. If you if you wanted if you want to do something about the playoffs, don't do divisions. That's my biggest problem with it is you have bad teams hosting great wild card teams. Yeah. No, and, and so the, the way you fix that, it's, it's actually really simple the way you fix it. This is the number of teams we're going to take into the playoffs. And you take that number of teams and you just take the teams with the best records. And maybe a, maybe a division winner doesn't make the playoffs. Maybe being a division winner shouldn't be a guarantee to get into the playoffs. If you win your division at 8-8, eight and eight, you probably don't deserve to be in if there's two or three or four 10 and six teams 
that would have gotten in, but they didn't win their division. You know, however the numbers play out, maybe that's the change that you make is that to get into the playoffs, you have to have the top eight uh, records, I guess. We'll go with eight. Why not? Or the top six or the top seven or whatever. Instead of, well, you won your division. Everybody sucked in your division. Everybody went like three and 13. And you New went, England. And you went whatever, nine and seven or seven and nine. So you get in. Well, maybe you shouldn't. I, I like that idea of, of making it more about the record and your regular season accomplishments. And then I, I know one of the arguments is, well, well, what about division rivalries? Well, the way you have it, you still have the conferences. You still have the American Football Conference. You still have the National Football Conference. And what you do is you still have the allotment of games that you play. It's just not a division. It's not the NFC West, NFC South, NFC East, NFC North, AFC West, AFC South, AFC East, AFC North. You still have the same breakdown of games. You still play the same teams that you play now the same amount of time. The difference is it's not weighted. You don't get an automatic playoff berth just because you win the division. It's based on record. If you have a better record and you're in the same division than a team that has the top of their old division, that doesn't mean anything. It's based on, as you said, record. Best record in the conference. Yeah. That's how they could have that's how they could have handled this instead of adding another team which is just a money grab. It's a money grab and it's again, it's a way that you're going to get to watch the 7 and 9 Cowboys play whoever they play in the playoffs because they they made the they, they're the 7 seed. Like get out of here with that. But, but that's what it's for. It's so Jarrah's teams can make the playoffs cuz otherwise they can't, right? Jarrah Jones needs needs to expand the playoffs so that the Cowboys can get in. That's that's how I'm going to view this, is, is that's what's going to happen. I might and be the wrong. Cur- the current breakdown is, so instead of two teams getting a wild card by now, it's just one team in each conference. The one seed in the AFC, the one seed in the NFC. They get the bye. The, the two seed will play the seven. The three seed will play the six. And the four will play the five. That's how it's broken up. And okay, great. I mean, I'm glad the Broncos will have a better shot at, at making the playoffs because they're not going to win the AFC West anytime soon. I mean, hopefully they do. If if Drew Locke continues to to be the guy that he is, he can continue to throw touchdowns like he can spit rhymes on the sideline. But they're not going to be competing with Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs anytime soon. I mean, I as we've said on prior podcasts, it's a two-team race in the AFC. It's the Ravens. It's the Chiefs. Everyone else is so far behind, it's not even funny. So I'm. don't get me wrong. I'm glad the Broncos will have a, a better chance of making the playoffs. I'm not happy about it because I think it's going to dilute it a little bit. I think it's going to cheapen it a little bit. And because they can't just admit why they're doing it, and that's to load their money or load their their pockets with more money. Got to get that money in the vault. That's that's all there is to it. You got to get that money in the vault. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. 
Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.